Okay, what's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of Energize. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. We have Irish international football and superstar, Stephanie Roach. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, lads. How are you? Doing good, Stephanie. Thanks a million for coming on the show. No problem. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, Stephanie, tell us, um, how's isolation treating you and how, how's your training going with, with uh, this all going down? Um, it's been going really well the last few weeks. I've been able to kind of just get out to the back garden and do kind of my kind of home gym sessions as such and get out for runs as well. But obviously the weather has changed today slightly, so it's a little yeah. bit harder now to be going out and that. But um, yeah, it's been good. I've been, as I said, just trying to do all the things that I feel I need to kind of work on and stuff. And it's given me time to to do other stuff as such that I feel like I had didn't really have the time to kind of fit in around my training schedule before. So it's it's been okay. Yeah. Did you have any niggles or anything just before the quarantine happened? Uh, no, no. All no, good, so you're, you're absolutely 100%? Yeah, yeah, all good. That's brilliant. Well, Steph, like, uh, obviously you'd, you'd be like Ireland's most known footballer. But uh, how, did, how did you first start getting into football? Um, I started playing when I was really young. Obviously, my brothers played football and my dad was my brother's coach. So we used to go watch their matches all the time in Shankill. And I used to always kind of play. My older brother would be playing and me and my younger brother, the younger of the two, would be playing at halftime in the goals and stuff like that. And then... Yeah. I used to play with the lads and my, I lived in Shanghai Cliffs in Shankill and we used to play in the street all the time. And I was a proper little tomboy just out on the pit, out on the street playing football every day. So kind of started there and I didn't really know much about kind of girls playing in teams when I was growing up. So I kind of just didn't think anything of it. And I was 11, I think, 11 going on 12. And one of my friend's mom said to me, would you not go up and join the team? And at this time, there was no girls in the team or in the league. So I kind of didn't really know anything about it. And to be fair, none of the lads that I kind of played with and hung around with really knew about it either. So it was just kind of, all right, let's go and give it a go. And I just kind of started there. And I started playing with Shankill, the Bellevue, uh, Bellevue Shankill back then, the Shankill FC now. So I started playing for them when I was 11. And I just took on from there. And sorry, that was a, that was a boys team? Yeah, all boys. Yeah, I was the only yeah. girl in the league at the time. Brilliant, yeah. Uh, yeah, but then, isn't it, isn't the underage football, does not, I think it's like 15s, you can't play uh, men's anymore. Yeah, it's, boys. it's got actually got older now. When I was younger, when I was playing, it was 13. So I only got two seasons with the lad before I had to move on to, and I ended up going playing for Cabin Tealy Girls then. But yeah. yeah, I was, I think I was 13 when I had to stop playing with boys. Yeah, well, if, like, that's obviously de- like definitely helped you, like playing alongside the lads, you know? like. Yeah, I think even just growing up, as I said, in the streets and playing with the lads, like I used to be out, I remember we used to take it quite seriously. We had we were quite lucky in terms of we had loads of football areas to play in. So we had like a green in front of my house, then we had an actual pitch down the road. Then what we called around the block, there was another patch of grass. So it was like we almost had like little different stadiums that we played in every yeah. day. You know, like, it, was kind of, it was great. Like we had a great childhood, to be fair, in terms of playing football. That was all we ever done. And that definitely did help me. But I think I played with the lads, as I said, until I was about, 80 and 90 and even later on we used to go out and play sorry hold on my phone just can you see me yet sorry, right, just yeah, yeah. Yeah, go, yeah go on ahead go on ahead yeah. and even later on we used to go out and play just on the street kicking the ball around and stuff like that so yeah I was quite lucky in terms of where I grew up yeah that's brilliant uh, who did you actually who did you like look like look at and want to be, sort of be like would you be more like uh, looking at it like a Marta from Brazil or would you be looking at a Ronaldo from Brazil um, I probably, to be honest with you, when I was younger, I wouldn't have known a lot about women's football. I wouldn't have known of mm. Martha really until I kind of got into the Irish setup yeah. and was playing kind of maybe senior international. And that was kind of later on. Even when I was underage, I didn't really know a lot about many international, like female, like superstars as such. So, 
I saw you gave uh, Darren Conway a massive shout out as well on Twitter saying uh, because he's a United fan, you like him even more. That's yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had Darren on the show recently, he's a legend. Oh, but, really? Yeah, he's yeah. there, he's Yeah, when did, when did um, all of a sudden they like, come playing for Ireland underage teams? I think I, I think I saw that like you didn't make the under 15s, but then all of a sudden you're straight into the under 16s or 17s? Yeah, that's what happened. I got a trial for the under 15s at the time, which is the school's team. And I didn't, I got picked, I got to the second phase and I didn't get picked and I was devastated. I remember thinking, all right, that's it, then it's not going to happen. And yeah. I was actually playing a match for Cabin Tealy against Stella Maris out in Oscar Trainer Park. Yeah. And Noel King was actually at the match because his daughter was playing for Stella Maris. So hmm. he ended up seeing me play and he said to me, he came up to me and my dad after the match and was like, oh, you played really well today. Like, oh, are you really committed? And he was like, asking me, do I play Ga, do I play Ga or just football? And I was like, no, just football. He's like, okay. And he said to me, like, oh, I can see you playing for Ireland in the future, so make sure you keep it up. And that was like a huge boost to me. And then a couple of weeks later, I ended up getting a trial for the 70s. And that went through kind of more of a tour kind of phase. I think it was four different trials. And I ended up getting picked for the 70s and just kind of took on from there. That got into the 19s and then obviously later into the senior. So it was, it was kind of like from that moment on, I kind of knew that I could play at an international level. Like When you first got into the 17s, what was the Roach household like? Was it, I say it was a big party, was it? <laughs> yeah, my dad. Me and my dad would have been very close. Like my dad was mad about my football. He used to bring me to every training session, every match, as you can imagine. Like most parents growing up in Ireland, bringing their kids everywhere. So my dad and my brothers obviously would have been mad into football. My mum and my sister are obviously very proud, but wouldn't really know, wouldn't really be into football as much. But my brothers definitely and my dad were very, very proud and just delighted to see me wearing an Ireland jersey. It's something that was obviously very. <laughs> <laughs> wearing it at the top of the table for breakfast like yeah yeah another person another like Irish legend who actually played for Ireland as well at underage level oh and senior as well uh, it was Katie Taylor did you ever play alongside Katie yeah I did actually I made my debut um, my home debut against Kazakhstan in Turner's Cross so yeah. my official debut in 2008 against uh, Iceland away but my home debut was in Kazakhstan and I came on and, and Katie was playing in that game so I played with Katie a couple of times and ten, like I think she kind of always boxing was obviously always our main sport, but she was trying to obviously balance it too. And then it came to a stage where she had to kind of pick one, and yeah. I think she's kind of shown she picked the right one in the end. But yeah, yeah. she was a very very good footballer as well as a good boxer. Yeah, because I saw the the crossovers were very very. It was just like you got in like the end of two thousand eight, and she left in two thousand nine. So I was wondering if you actually got time there. Yeah, well, yeah, it was quite close in the time. The crossover really was kind of a couple of games, as I said, and then that was it. Yeah, she moved was, on to. What was it like uh, being around Katie and then seeing her career become like Ireland's probably most beloved sports star ever? Yeah, Katie, I've said this quite a few times, Katie's a lovely, lovely girl. Like she's very down to earth and you'd never think that she's a superstar that she is because she's very gracious and very, very humble. And she's always been a really nice girl. And I remember when I first met her, I didn't really, I knew a little, obviously about her, I knew she was a boxer and stuff, but she kind of just, she just was a normal girl, you know, like on the way and, I was kind of, I'm very close with Anya and Anya O'Gorman would, be, would have been close with Katie. So it was kind of like we were mingling a little bit. But as I said, I think she, she's just a really, really nice girl. And obviously very, very happy to see her do so well because she's such a nice person. Yeah. Did you see her documentary? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's brilliant. 
Right. So I think it's great to see uh, someone like yourself and then someone like yourself, like really sort of breaking down the barriers in sport and like bridging that gap in equality in sports as well. So I think that's something that's really been more prevalent as of late. Like, you know what I mean? Um, the women's Irish hockey team were obviously fantastic. Um, the women's rugby team was getting a lot more TV time. Do you think that gap is getting slowly but surely more narrow between women's and men's sports? Yeah, definitely. I think obviously we're still a long way off being on par with the men. And I think that's something that we kind of have to just face the reality of it. We are a long way off. But as you say, the more TV publicity, the more kind of just media activity that we can create and have the people actually looking and knowing about us, knowing about our games, being able to come and watch the games, able to watch them on TV. That can only be good for, for women's sports and hopefully it continues. I think obviously with everything that's going on now, you're hearing a lot about women's football being quite vulnerable because obviously the men's teams are obviously in a, in a situation where this is all going to affect them. So I just hope that in long term, it doesn't kind of take another step back because it's very easy just kind of to put the women's team aside as such, especially with in football where there are huge clubs who have women's kind of teams affiliated to them. I think the easiest thing to do when there's some sort of financial trouble is to kind of maybe take a step back from the women's side. So I really hope that that doesn't happen. And um, I kind of seen it a little bit when I was at Sunderland. So I kind of have a little bit of experience in terms of what can happen when there is financial trouble at clubs. So, as I said, I just hope it doesn't take a step back, and, and not just women's football, obviously women's sports in general. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think, uh, I don't think they can do that at all, and I don't see it happening. Here's the reason why: because like obviously over the last few years, uh, more and more people are getting more fit, like and they want to use that fitness in like in sports and games, like and then like more and more girls are, like at the like at all the most recent Irish women's games. The stadiums have been absolutely packed, and Ireland have been doing amazing. Like, like uh, you know, top the league, uh, the group, sorry, uh, just ahead of Germany. I know Germany have a game in hand, but uh, the people are really, really buying into it now. And like all the girls, like the standard has just gone up so much. Like, like some of the girls who are Arsenal and Man City, and like and yourself as well. It's uh, like user like trailblazers for the up and comers. Yeah, definitely. I think if you hit the nail on the head there, in terms of girls being fitter and kind of obviously raising to the occasion I think that really helps because there's been so much more put into it I think obviously the strike that we had a couple of years ago in terms of trying to get better stuff and better better kind of access for players to be able to go to gyms to get programs to do that sort of stuff I think we've shown that if there actually is effort put in by the associations or by the team that you're with that we're willing to kind of rise with that as well I think that's what's happened over the last few years you've seen as you said clubs like Arsenal Man City really putting a lot into it and you can see them even the English players with the FA putting so much money into that, the English players are completely transformed. They're really all really, really athletic, really fit. And as you say, raising their game to kind of, to make sure that they can be at that professional level. So I think it definitely has helped that people have tried to get behind it. And that has to continue for us to be able to grow and grow. And then maybe one day, as I said, try and be on par with the men. But I think we are a little bit far off that at the minute. But as I said, I hope in the future that can kind of happen. Yeah. you're obviously you're obviously like almost a veteran in the squad as well like uh, <laughs> like 10 years but uh what what is what like since they like your first cap to now like what is like can you even describe the difference in that in those 10 years yeah definitely i think i've seen women's football grow a lot i think particularly in the last maybe five years or so five six years everything's changed here in ireland and yeah. um, but around the world obviously when i was growing up as i said i didn't really know anything about professional women's football I didn't really know anything about the Ireland team until I had my first try with the 15s whereas now there are young girls looking up and kind of saying oh look at the women's matches on TV I can and they can aspire to kind of to play international football and be at that level because they can see it in front of them whereas 
as I said to you, when I first started playing football, Ruben Nistroy, Manchester United, Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, these are players who I looked up to, whereas I think you know, footballers and have that aspiration to get to the level where we're hopefully going to be at. Like. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to happen. And like also what you've done over the last few years, obviously you, got, you propelled to start them with, uh, with your unbelievable goal. But like there's so much more behind that. Like, yeah, like just it's really, really driving like women's football forward. And uh, even the camaraderie that the girls have on the pitch as well, just like, it's very easy to buy into and then caught up with Koi gig as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's to be fair. That's one thing I would say about the Irish team has always been, as you say, that com- camaraderie, we've always had a really, really good team spirit. And I think yeah. every one of the girls kind of work hard for each other. And what we obviously enjoy our training and enjoy just because we all enjoy playing with each other as well. So it's definitely, that's a huge part of what kind of, I think will make us successful in the future. And look, we've had really, really good teams over the years and not made it to kind of major tournaments. So I think it's a huge goal for everybody in the squad now at the minute to get to a majors tournament. And hopefully yeah. that can happen because I do think that a lot of the players that are still in the squad who have been there for a long time do deserve it. So I hope that can happen in the, in the near future. Yeah, Stephanie, you sorry, I was just going to say, you, you've uh, played in France, you've played in Italy, you've played in America, you've played in England. How does the Irish League stack up against those leagues and just in terms of, you know, the setup and the backing? How 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 do Ireland compare against other leagues in women's football? Um, I think the biggest kind of issue is obviously that we're still part time. We're still an amateur league. Like there's I think in terms of the standard and the players, there's a lot of good players in this league and a lot of players who I would say would definitely succeed in higher leagues in terms of in England, France and Italy and America, as you say, is where I've been. There's definitely players within the league who would go over there and make it but the biggest, I think, hurdle for us is that a lot of the girls in the league are also working full-time jobs, whether in college, so they're working all week. Some people are working in college and playing football, so it's very, very hard to kind of juggle that and then go out and perform to your very best at the weekend. So that can kind of make the games maybe a little bit less, like a, a slower tempo maybe. That's probably the only thing that I would say. But I do think the quality in the league is definitely up there with some of the best players that I've seen. There are a lot of very, very good players in Ireland, but... Again, I've said this before, I think the hardest thing is keeping these players here because we've seen it over the last few years with myself going away and Katie went away, Rihanna's recently gone away. But these are players who are going to play at a higher level because they know when they go to play for Ireland, they have to, to be at a good level. And I think the hardest or the biggest problem for, for the league in Ireland is to kind of maintain a high standard by keeping players here. And how you do that, I'm not sure because I think the only way you can do it is by making the league professional. And yeah. I think we're a long way off that. Yeah, a uh, big shout out to Rihanna as well. She's running the muck. She's a friend of ours here on the show as well. But um, you've obviously played, in, as Ross touched on, you played in America, you played in England. Um, like, if, like, I say girls come to you all the time. What should they do? Should they go to college there? Should they go to college there? Like, what would it be for any girl or, or guy watching now? Like, what, what would you sort of, like, like, you've done both now. What would you, what would you sort of, what would you, what, what would you sort of recommend? Um, I was asked to go to college a couple of times in America when I was younger. Um, I got a few scholarship opportunities, but like I remember at the time kind of hearing horror stories about girls who have gone away and been promised this, that and the other and not got it. And I just remember always being a, little, a bit reluctant to do it. And also at the time, I remember Noel King was the senior manager and he kind of was just trying to say, like, look, if you go to America, it's going to be very difficult to get you back in terms of getting you into squads and stuff. So that kind of made my decision easy for me. I was like, OK, well, I'll go to college in Ireland and and see what happens then. But um, yeah, I would say anybody who is thinking about going is don't believe everything they tell you because they're going to give you tell you everything to try and get you to go. But just make sure that you have somebody look over everything. Because even when I went to America in terms of playing professional football, my contract 
I read through, I had an agent run through, run through and I never really knew that I could get my contract gone like that. I just thought, okay, I'm going for two years. I've got a two-year contract. I'm, I'm going to buy into this and do really well over the two seasons. But it ended up being obviously a shorter time yeah. than I, would, I, I wanted to be. But I kind of was a bit naive in terms of, as I said, just believing everything they told me and, and didn't really look into everything. So if you are being offered kind of scholarships and, and different things, just make sure that, the college is in a first of all a good area because that can be a huge thing if you're in the middle of nowhere and you've just got your college and you're going over by yourself you're not kind of guaranteed you're going to make really good friends you might kind of find a hard fitting in you might not really get on with everybody straight away so that would be the hardest part and usually the first maybe three or four months the hardest part so i just say make sure that you're near kind of like a good city so that you can obviously if you don't have too many people around you can go and occupy yourself and do things and also obviously look into everything that they're promising you and make sure that it's definitely going to go ahead because I've seen, as I said, horror, horror stories and heard really bad things that have happened in terms of people being promised things and not getting them. So that would kind of be my, my bit of advice to if you are thinking about going to America on scholarship or, or to play maybe in the WSL or the USL, I think it's the men's team, and men's, men's kind of semi-pro lead as well. So yeah, just look into it as best you can and make sure that everything you're promised you do get. Well, very brilliantly said. I actually think I think once you retire, you're going to be like, like you're going to be like uh, on a board, or you're going to be like, maybe an agent, or I don't know exactly, but you're going to be a mentor to so many girls. You know that. That's brilliant. Oh, well, I don't know. I would say I think it's, I've had people say to me a few times you wrote a book, or it's it would sell, but I think a lot of people might think it's fiction if I did write a book to <laughs> No, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, uh, yeah, but like, okay, we may as well get into like uh, one, of the, one, of the, one. Of the, uh, oh, we miss- people keep bringing it, do they? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the my battery's gone, so I have to keep on kind of turning it off and then plug it back in. So I need to plug it in the second it goes again. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, we may as well get into like your unbelievable goal, and then you came runner up in the postcast award. Um, first of all, when you scored that, did you even know someone recorded that? And second of all, like, can you believe what happened after? Um, I think when I scored originally I didn't know it was being recorded like a couple of the games have been recorded that season so I, I knew there was a possibility but I didn't think about that straight away yeah. I remember scoring the goal and thinking okay that was a good goal like, yeah it then, was, it was I checked it out again last night I was like what like <laughs> and uh, I remember we went in after the game like, my dad was at the game but he was coming back in from half time because it was just after half time I scored it and I think he just about seen it he was walking by the back <laughs> of the, the other goal and he was like Jesus just as well I came out and I did like yeah. But it went inside and, and John Flood at the time he was recording the game had the laptop on the table and he, him and Eileen were sitting there and he just caught me over and was like, here, have a look at this. And I seen it then obviously on the replay and I was like, okay, that was all right. That was decent. Yeah. And it, like, I was just like, oh, brilliant. And in fairness, one of the girls, uh, Ruth Comerford, who was on the team at the time, was joking and just said, oh, that's going to go viral. You're going to be famous after all this. And obviously it took off the way it did then. Did, so you, she, did, you, put it, did you put it as your flashbox on Bebo, did you? <laughs> oh, I, I actually didn't even do anything with it it was I didn't even upload it and I kind of obviously just retweeted yeah. it and, and shared it on Facebook and that one when it was up but yeah it was just it was crazy the way it took off the way it did yeah I saw like uh, James Corden uh, Rio Ferdinand uh, I, I, like so many people retweeting it like uh, were you just like what is going on here yeah <laughs> yeah it was just obviously the initial thing was just that it went viral so obviously seeing all those people kind of tweeting it and retweeting it and and even just talking about the goal, I think it was just it was nice to see them talking about the goal as as a great goal and not kind of saying, oh, this girl scored a goal. It was just actually admiring the goal for what it was. So that was just kind of a crazy time and obviously a special thing to see people of their kind of calibre, particularly the footballers, you know, kind of yeah. saying that it was such a goal. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter, man, woman, or alien. If you score a goal like that, you're unreal. But uh, like, <laughs> I only I only want to slightly touch on the negatives because I saw that like uh, like people were saying negative things to you as well, and like uh, like why? I think it's just people's automatic reaction, isn't it? When you see somebody doing well or getting some sort of kind of positivity, they always want to try and. Yeah, but what I don't you, know. Why. I, I don't, it's not I don't me. Know. I'd never do it anyway. What, what did it, What did it say? Your T-shirt wasn't tucked in enough or something. Well, like I don't. What? How, I don't know how you could criticize what happened there. You know. Uh, oh, I know. But, yeah, I think I think a lot of people were kind of just the fact that I was a woman as well, and I think the fact that the goal was picked to to be on the stage of the players that it was on, like, especially later on when it was picked for the first guess, obviously. But I think you're always going to get people, and don't get me wrong, a lot of the people who said things were obviously idiots, like and. Some of them I'd kind of bite and like I'd say something and I'd be like, why did I do that? I remember I bit on one of them and I just said something back. And the next day it was in the, in the Herald and I was like, why did I do that? Like, you know, I'm just giving yeah. them what they want. So you're better off just ignoring it. But you're always yeah, going to get Haters going to hate. Yeah. Haters going to yeah, hate. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, from watching the goal myself, when I, when I first saw the goal, I was like, that was a bit like Henri's goal against uh, United. Uh, you know, the Bars has goal. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, nah, actually... That goal was nowhere near as good as Stephanie's goal. <laughs> and then when I when I when I was looking at the postcast and when I was coming along, I was like, I was like, Jesus Christ, Robin Van Persie, Stephanie Roach, and James Rodriguez. I was like, I was like, that's insane. Like, yeah. you know what I mean, what? Well, I actually thought Van Persie's goal was the best. Of the, what's called that uh, that that year? That header was like phenomenal. Yeah. I thought it was, like. You're meant, you're meant to say obviously Steph's was the best man. <laughs> obviously, yeah, <I'm> mine. He meant. <laughs> Come yeah, on, obviously, man. Obviously, but like, I, I, I actually, I actually was like, how is Rodriguez? I was like, I've seen a few of those goals before. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, you're I agree with you. I think Van Persie. Yeah, the way Van Persie like floated at the head of the. It was yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was crazy. Obviously, you sport United as well. You, you would have been like. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. But, uh, and uh, what was it like to meet all those people, all those superstars? Because like he actually became famous then for like walking by uh, Messi and Ronaldo as well. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, what were you? <laughs> Steph, what were you thinking when that happened? Like, because, like, obviously, Honestly, you said no, you said, like, you said you were. Right, you... Oh no, you said you arrived at the airport. You were getting the VIP treatment. You're like, I'm grand. I can just get a taxi or something. Like, it's like so yeah. humble to get come, the, like you like with rubbing shoulders with the best. But, like, what, what was what was it like? It was probably like a dream. It was just, honestly, it was surreal because I remember we got off the plane, like, and we had first class seats, obviously. We were with Aer Lingus and the staff, Aer Lingus was so nice. It was like, I remember they took my dress and hung it up somewhere so it wouldn't get wrecked. And <laughs> like, they were just all really, really nice. And like, I think they were just genuinely nice people. And then we got off the plane and there was literally, like, I've never noticed it before and I only notice it now because I can understand why it's, why it get, or how it gets used. So when you get off the plane and they have the whole thing set up, there's a little door to the left. And that was open, and there was a guy standing there in a suit and everything. And he was just like, Stephanie Roche. And I was like, What is going on? And then we looked down, there was like a Merc down on the runway, <laughs> ready to pick myself. And it was only myself and being they took. And I was like, I don't want to leave my, uh, my brother security when I'm slipping away and I'm just going to meet them outside anyway. So I was like, Oh, it's yeah. grand, it's grand. But it was just crazy. Like, as I said, it was VIP treatment, and we got brought up in the car and we went and got our stuff, and then went with family and that after, and we just went on to the, to the event itself. And it was just crazy because even like the hotel itself was like literally a five minute walk, or if even two minute walk to the actual where the ceremony was on. Where, was that, like, oh, where was that on? Sorry. In Zurich. It was in Zurich, yeah, okay. So, so we stayed in like the, the Hyatt, I think it was, and like, literally the, the Hyatt was here and the place was here, and I was like, we walked over during the day, so we were, we were like, oh, the car will be here at, I don't know what time it was, six, six, six o'clock. And I was like, sure, we can walk over, it's only across the road. Like, And they were like, oh, no, no, it's okay, we'll give you the car. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it was just like, it was crazy that like, we were looked after really, really well. And 
we had our own um, FIFA official kind of delegate to look after us as well and she kind of done everything for us all day it was just it was mental because I remember when we first arrived we kind of went into there was like a little kind of buffet lunch on and my brother and my dad got to come with us and being my boyfriend's uh, sister came as well and then obviously there's a few media from Ireland so we all walked into this little room and we just were sitting there chatting away and my brother was sitting there talking to me and I kind of just looked over his shoulder and was like there's Del Piero there's Del Piero and like Alessandro Del Piero was walking right, right, right behind him and he kind of turned around and was like oh my god and it was like that for the day like every time we looked around there was somebody kind of walking by like Henri and then Rodriguez came in then later as well and to be fair literally every one of them were all really really nice we kind of just went over and chatted to them and we didn't want to be that kind of like fangirl on the morning. <laughs> we got over there, right? So we were like, we won't go over to the mall. We were like, which one will we pick to go over to? Like, so yeah. we got a like, kind of group picture with Del Piero and he was really nice as well. He yeah. kind of said, oh, I seen your goal. It was really, really good and yeah. best to look. So that was just amazing for him to say something like that. As well. Like, and everybody we met that day kind of said similar things. So it was just, it was nice to see and kind of nice to be able to, to get, as I said, those kind of compliments from, from world-class footballers. Yeah, most like that's most people's dream meeting these players. But uh, obviously, you met Messi and Ronaldo. Like, um, what was it like when you met them? Because I met Roy Keane before, and like, there's just like an aura off him. You're like, this fella's different. Like, same thing when I met Conor McGregor. But like, like, yeah. what was it like meeting these two lads as well? Because like that, that like, you, you're, how many people do that? Not many people because they're never together. You know? Yeah, it was crazy. It was <laughs> as you say, it was just like particularly because I didn't really get a chance to speak with Messi, but I got a chance to speak with Ronaldo when we got a picture and we went in and kind of chatted to him. And it was like as you say, there's an aura around him and he was just kinda like big talk kind of in the flesh. It just it was crazy to see him kinda as I said in person and, and again. Especially for really United. Like, kinda, yeah, exactly. And I, yeah. I actually said to him, I was like, Are you gonna come back to United? And he was like, Oh, it's difficult. <laughs> so Only that was Diego as well. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, it was it was just surreal. As I said, we went to before the um, ceremony began. We went into like a, a nominees kind of room, so where all the kind of people who were nominated for different awards were all kind of mingling and walking around, and we just mingled with them all. And we were kind of again looking, kind of going, "There's him, around, there's him." There, you know, like we went. Diego Simeone was there. We got a picture with him. Uh, Emmanuel Neuer was there. We just kind of chatted to them for a couple of minutes. Like it was just, it was weird. Like it was crazy because yeah. as I said, everywhere you looked, there was somebody who were like, "Jesus, there's." And it was just mad to be there among them, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. Where, where do, do you have, the, do you get like a runners-up prize or what do you get from that night out and uh, where did you put it? <laughs> Nothing, actually. The girls, in fairness, the girls gave me, when I went, so I had to go straight into camp with the Irish team and Julianne Russell and Anya O'Gorman made me my very own Puskas Award because they thought I should win it. So <laughs> that was pretty much all I got. <laughs> uh, that's, that's actually brilliant. You can't buy a friendship like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it was nice. It was great to arrive into the squad. And as well, it was just nice to get back to normal because it had been just a crazy, crazy time before that. So it was nice to just get back to kind of to normal and play football and just get back to what I was kind of doing before. Yeah, get back to your craft. So was, was was the best person you met was Ronaldo then, was it? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Just because, as I said, I'm a United fan. And that was yeah. kind of, before I went, I was thinking to myself, like, look, at, if I wanted to meet somebody and get a picture with somebody, it was going to be him. And I actually said it to the, the FIFA, the woman who was looking after us from FIFA, I just said, look, the only person I would like to try and meet would be Ronaldo. And in fairness, as soon as she's seen him, she called us over and got us in to chat with him and got a picture. So that was kind of nice of her as well. But yeah, he would have been the, the main person that I wanted to see and meet because obviously he's just he's a, a superstar and obviously the best player in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Starting war here now with Messi. <laughs> uh, well, one thing I want to get into, uh, sorry, is your, your Ireland career because um, obviously you've won 55 caps, which is absolutely amazing. Like, 
people dream of getting Cap Ireland alone walking out on that pitch 55 times. But a lot of the female games uh, up until recently have been in Tallis Stadium. Do you think that all the Irish female games should be in the Viva no matter what? Um, sorry, I'm going to put you on because I'm thinking this is going to go dead and I'm worried about it going dead, so I'm going to just charge it real quick. <laughs> Definitely, just in terms of uh, the Irish women's football, obviously a lot of uh, games previously being held in Tallis Stadium. And um, do you think all Irish women's football games should be held in the Viva the exact same as the men's? I know one or two have recently, but do you think they all should every single time? Um, I don't know. I think not because, in my opinion, I think when you're playing in the Aviva, it needs to be full in order to kind of get the same atmosphere. Obviously, getting to play in the Aviva is is great for the girls to play in the FEI Cup final and stuff. But I think with the Irish team, with the way we are now, we're just starting to fill Tallis Stadium. We're just starting to get the crowds to fill that. So I think the goal should be to make sure that we sell out Tallis Stadium and then maybe in a couple of years when we're getting more and more people and more demand for tickets, then maybe you can move it to a bigger location. But I just think at the minute, if we were to go and play a match there, it would just be a little bit of a lesser atmosphere, if that makes sense, playing in a bigger stadium with less people. So I think right now we're better off playing, as I said, in Tallis Stadium. We've kind of made that our home over the last couple of years. So hopefully we can kind of continue, as I said, to to sell out that and, and get people wanting to come to the game. And then it will be obviously a great problem to have that we haven't got enough space for yeah. players or for fans. So, yeah, that's actually a very good point because uh, I was watching Sunderland until I die. I'm sure you watched it, but uh, <laughs> like uh, as it's shown as they've got more relegated. Uh, sorry, Sunderland have got more relegated more and more. Their stadiums, are, the stadium stays the same, but the fan base goes down in the stadium, and it, it looks a bit. It doesn't look right, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, have you actually watched? I'm sure you've watched Sunderland until I die, have you? Yeah, I watched the first series. I know there's a second series that I haven't actually started yeah, that yet. So yeah, I've got start. about five different series on the go at the minute, so I'm trying to take a break <laughs> and not have too many to watch. Uh, when you played with Sunderland as well, uh, were you training much? Were you in the same facility as the senior team? Yeah, yeah. I kind of I touched on it earlier on when I was talking about obviously witnessing the kind of financial downturn in the men's team having an effect yeah. on the women's side. So yeah. when I first went to Sunderland, we had everything. I remember getting there and kind of being like, like, this is what it's all about, you know, like when they were yeah. training the academy, yeah. you walk out in every morning, you had your breakfast made for you, you trained, you came back, had your lunch, like everything was just looked after, access to the gym, to hydro pool, like everything was just top class. And like the first few seasons that I was there, it was brilliant. And obviously the men's team got relegated to the championship and we kind of knew there was going to be a couple of effects from that because obviously financially they lose a bit of money from not being in the Premier League. And then obviously it was disaster when they got relegated again. And like we had... It, Sunderland brought in a financial advisor um, and obviously the first thing that he done was to cut the women's team not cut but make a cut within the women's team so we had um, I think it was like 14 or 15 full-time players and the rest were all part-time so we had a meeting just before Christmas one of the years and it was just after they got they, were, they knew they were going to get relegated again and they told us basically that they're cutting the women's team to just part-time so I was quite lucky because I was still under contract so they had to fulfill my contract until June but it was like everybody who was out of contract then decided, okay, well, I'm not staying here for a part-time wage because it was players like Beth Mead who's playing for Arsenal now and who had been chased by Arsenal for a couple of seasons, yeah. but she'd done really well. And we've Brooke Chaplin who went on to play for Redden, Fernie, who Rachel Furness went on to play for Redden, is now at Liverpool. But these are really, really good players within our team who decided, look, look, I can't stay here and be part-time because they wanted to play at the highest level and, and obviously and do well at that level. But yeah, it definitely did have a knock-on effect as soon as the men kind of started having trouble. The easy kind of go-to is to try and save money or to do what they can to kind of make more money is to get rid of the kind of the debts that we... And look, what annoys me as well and what annoyed us all the time was that 
we weren't even getting that much and I kind of way it wasn't like mm. we were causing the club millions yeah. it was just kind of it was a knock-on effect from what was happening and like obviously I was there for three seasons and in my last season we were sitting in WSL one but the following season the team ended up not actually like got putting forward for the WSL they didn't get paid for WSL too because they didn't make a bid for it because the club didn't want to have to, to pay for it so now the club are now playing in the Northern Premier League so a club that was once a women's club that was once kind of in the top four in the WSL one that was my first season at the club are now playing in Northern Premier so like I've definitely seen the effects as I said and that's what I was saying that I hope but everything that's going on now that doesn't happen again but I hope I like to think that as you said it's got it's come far enough that I don't think they'd be able to kind of do it as as easy as they would have been back then yeah, it's mad to think like how much like a relegation actually really does affect like the whole community. But it was only because, like I wanted to ask that because uh, obviously John O'Shea was there as well at the same time you were. Um, like obviously he played for United Irish like football legend as well. I was just wondering, you, did you pick his brain much? Did you try and give him a go for like a give him the mark yeah, and take a few shots? Like that's what I was. I wanted to pick out of it. I've got Wes Brown we in as well. To actually train with them now, but yeah, to be fair, Wes Brown and John O'Shea were both really really nice guys, really lovely and. Obviously, like we would have been training in the mornings, and they would have been training in the mornings. So we would have kind of often been in the in the canteen having breakfast with them. And like in fairness to Johnny, he'd always come over and say hello and see how you're getting on. And like a lot of the lads were quite down to earth. Like most, like some of them, there were a few who were kind of, you know, think they're better than everybody else. Kind of coming in with their Gucci trainers on and <laughs> they're they're blinging that. But most of the footballers, in fairness, at Sunderland were very very down to earth and nice lads. And yeah, John O'Shea was really nice. I remember. Actually, after we went on strike that time, he kind of came over and was like asking me about it and asked if we need any help and stuff. And he was just really, really nice guy, you know, like on the way in terms of yeah. giving whatever advice he could give. And uh, Wes Brown used to always look after us. He used to uh, send down boots. He used to always bring down a lot of boots from the... Because like, the, the men would get boots every day from Adidas and Nike or whoever they were kind of sponsored by. Yeah. Like the lads would have five or six pairs already, so they didn't really need them. So he used to always kind of bring down boots to any of the girls whether it be us or whether we pass them on to the part-time players. So, yeah, they were, like, they were both really nice guys. That's great. Also, uh, yeah, you have three more games to go in the group as well. But uh, yeah. have, is that still going to go ahead next year? Because obviously gonna move, they're going to move the men's Euros there as well. Or um, I it be a crossover? Been, I don't know whether it's been confirmed, but it's been put back to 2022. Okay. So it's going to be a knock-on knock effect from the men obviously being put back, so we're being mm. put back as well. So. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, well, that no, not at all. I think, obviously, for me, uh, as one of the older players, as you said, the veterans in the team, it can be a little bit, you're thinking, okay, right, I have a lot more work to kind of just keep myself taking over before. Then you would have liked to have been, it to be in 2021. But yeah. no, I think, obviously, it's, 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 it is what it is. And I think everybody's been affected by what's happening. So you kind of just have to get on with it. And, yeah. and obviously, we'll have hopefully the World Cup then after that as well. Yeah, that's we, what I mean. Hopefully, it doesn't push that back for a few. But maybe things will just come back to normal then, you know. Yeah, yeah, hopefully it all balances out. Yeah. And then, Stephanie, obviously you've made your uh, heroic return to P-Mount. Um, <laughs> tell us about that. Was there a parade on for you now when you came back? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I've, I've been quite lucky because I trained with P-Mount quite a bit when I was back home in my off-season and stuff. So, obviously, I got to know the girls quite a bit. And, obviously, I know Anya O'Gorman and Karen Duggan who were there. Claire Walsh is obviously part of the Irish team. Uh, Ellie as well. There's a few players who've been playing within the Irish squad as well, so it was it's grand. It's been quite a good kind of slot back in. I've just been back into the team and training. It's just been disappointing because obviously I wanted to to get going again in the league, and then the league the weekend our league was or it was meant to start against Cork. All of this happened, so it's been yeah. a, bit, uh, a bit of a disappointment for that in terms of that. But I just can't wait to get going again. 
And last year was neck and neck. It was actually like almost reminiscent of uh, Liverpool versus Man City in the Premier League with Man City win the league by a point sort of thing. I mean, it was like, you win, we win, you win, we win. Um, who, who do you think w- when this does come back around, who will be your biggest uh, challenge uh, this year? Would it be Shelburne? Obviously, Wexford youth are good. Definitely not Kilkenny. <laughs> That's very harsh. Um, I'm from Kilkenny. Well, in fairness, I was actually I was actually looking at the league for the last three seasons, and like each year, like Kilkenny have like a minus ninety or minus eighty goal difference. I was like, geez, they should take a break for a season for their own mental health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Look, I think since I started playing the league, it's always been it was it would have been Rohini when I first started. That would have been the team. Mm. Obviously, they've amalgamated with Shelburne now, or well, they are Shelburne now. So I think it's always been kind of. Mount Shelburne, Wexford. I think that'll be the same again. Um, I think a few teams might surprise people this year. I think I've I've been following DLR Waves on on Instagram, and they have obviously Graham Kelly in charge of now, who's a very very good coach. And I think they might be a bit of a surprise package this year. I think they could do well. I think they've got the right people running the club and trying to do the right thing. So I think they could do quite well. But again, I think it might be ourselves, Wexford and Peter and Shelburne. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and you'd be the top goal scorer, is it? I hope so, yeah. <laughs> I won it twice the league before, so I need to get back to scoring goals. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> yeah, I might want to give John O'Shea a ring now. Like. But, uh, <laughs> Steph, you're an absolute legend for coming on the show. And uh, it's, I feel like it's been a long time coming because like, we love talking about football as well, as much as o- other sports. But uh, to talk to an actual Irish legend doesn't happen every day. So, um, no. Ross, and that's the same for you. Wrap things up. No, uh, Stephanie, thanks a million for coming on the show. Uh, I felt like I lived a little bit one of my dreams through you and saying how, how you met uh, Ronaldo. I was like, because <laughs> he's like, he's the he's number one person on my list of people who I have to meet before I die. So, uh, I'll edit my head onto a, I'm sure you were a lovely goon at that night. So like, I'll look yeah, right yeah. in that dress too. Uh, as well, so maybe you can just take his body. <laughs> yeah. nah, I, think, I, I think I look better with my head on yours, but anyway, uh, both of us are athletes, you see, uh, so that will work out better. Um, but no, thanks a million. And if you did enjoy the show, which I'm sure you did, make sure to like, share, subscribe, and as always, stay energized. Stay energized. <laughs>